0: Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, JP, and I am here with Father
1: Chuck. Hey.
0: <laughs> with his red swing line stapler. I, I,
1: I have a red swing line stapler. Did you steal that from somebody? You, you know, I, uh, I I the first I, I saw one once at um, it was at like some restaurant, like a Chili's or something. It's, and i said to my mom i was like i really kind of want to steal it because it feels only appropriate if i'm going to get it if i steal it but uh and she i could tell in her brain she was contemplating it but she, we didn't and then not, uh this was uh this was then presented to not, me a couple of days later not, um in a package it was
2: bought No, no it's not stealing you know it's like the tray with the pennies in it and you take a right from the tray. right the pennies for everybody yeah <laughs> pennies for everybody but we're yeah. talking not fractions of the, the tray
0: <laughs> and I uh, and of course I am also here with a Jump to Conclusions Matt.
2: Oh jeez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry buddy. Well we'll uh, get a name for you eventually.
2: Thank you and good night.
1: <laughs> jump to Conclusions Matt, that is wonderful.
2: I I I say that I I vote that that's my name on Podcast from now on. I am jump to conclusions, Matt.
1: <laughs> it
0: actually it That's fits. Perfect. It actually it's, really it's does perfect. fit. It's I mean, but you don't really jump to
1: conclusions. though.
2: So, I ladies and gentlemen, fun. here on our office space episode, we found the perfect perfect name. <laughs> actually, I would
1: say I would say it's more fitting if it's like slowly and wordily meander to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> <sighs> meander. I could could burn the place
2: down.
0: (laughs) Well, this week, we're talking about the 1999 uh, cult classic,
1: Office Space, directed by Mike Judge. Which which was uh, released 20 years ago Wednesday. Right, which was the 19th?
0: 18th. 18th, February 18th. Uh, no, wait.
1: No, no, no. That was the 20th. Sorry. It was Tuesday because it was released on February 19th, 1999, which okay. was Tuesday, I think. Um,
0: you guys, Office Space did not do well when it was released in theaters. And in fact, it did, it did horribly. It made like $10 million at the opening weekend. And that's even for 90s box office numbers. That's pretty bad.
1: Yeah, and it was uh, Mike Judge's first theatrical release, like live-action theatrical release, because he had done, of course, Beavis and Butthead do America prior to that. Okay. All right, so
0: we're talking about Office Space. If you're not familiar with Office Space, Office Space, which marked the live-action directorial debut of Mike Judge, best known at the time for the animated TV series Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill, revolves around everyman Peter Gibbons, who works as a programmer at a company called Initech where he hates his job and is constantly bothered by his odious boss, Bill Lumberg. Yeah. His best friends at work are his fellow programmers, Samir and Michael Bolton, who live in fear that they will be fired. Peter's life changes when his girlfriend takes him to an occupational hypnotherapy session. When the therapist dies while Peter is still hypnotized, he wakes up the next morning carefree and relaxed. He breaks up with his girlfriend and begins dating Joanna and instead of getting in trouble with his new laid-back attitude at work, his bosses love his newfound perception. When Peter discovers that his friends will be fired, the three hacked the company's computer accounting system, diverting small monies into their account. But, of course, it doesn't turn out quite the way they expected. It's from Variety. They did a really good write-up on the the movie, by the way. Nice. Um, So, yeah, that movie turns 20. We're all old. Yep. Yep. And I'd say... I don't know what it is about this movie, but I feel like um, everybody can quote it. <laughs> like, I feel like I, I, I feel like this is one of those movies
1: that's one of the most quotable movies ever made. It's very quotable, and I think it's partly quotable because of how relatable it is to so many people. Yeah. Um, but I was I realized though that in watching yet, I mean, there's there are it's, there are some of its quotable things, but I realized that like I think the most other than the other than the stapler bit, I think that maybe the most pervasive quote that is entered into like the most lasting uh, quote that is entered into our into our vernacular pop culture wise comes from Drew when he talks about the O face. <laughs> I really feel like because I think that 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 phrase or kind of like originates from that movie, that phrase. And there actually is a word that, that originated in this movie. Oh,
0: uh, do, you, do you have any idea what it is? Either either of you?
1: The word that originated from the movie, yeah. Um, it's not a nice one, but it is kind of funny. I should have known, but I don't know. Ass clown, oh, really? (laughs) Yes, I'm almost positive I'd heard that before the movie, but whatever. That's awesome, yeah. That and that is why,
2: and that is why this is a movie to me that falls in the camp of everybody should see it at least once. Um whether or not it's your kind of movie or you like it isn't important. The reason you should see it is to realize the the sayings and terms that exist in culture that came from this movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Wizard of Oz if you haven't seen Wizard of Oz, you miss out on like you know somewhere over the rainbow you miss out on stuff that's like so common in culture that you don't even realize where it came from sometimes yeah. um and this is one of those movies like it's it's like a Another one would be like Monty Python, Quest for the Holy Grail. Um, oh, yeah. More, more so more so about 15 years ago than now. But um, it's so much part of culture that you're using terms and jokes from this movie that if you've never seen it, you don't even realize are from this movie. <laughs> so when you see it, you're going to be like, oh, that's where that came from. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: so, so yeah, so- I think everybody should see it because
1: of that. So Chuck, I know you've watched it like obsessively. Obsessive is a, is a, is an understatement. I, (laughs) I, 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 no joke went through a period of time for, um, probably about, about three months or so where I, I watched it every single day. (laughs) Wow. See, and that's, that's, that's what
0: I mean. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, when I first saw it, I was like obsessed with it and I was, I think I was like 16 years old and I thought it was like one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And I still love it to death uh but Matt, who i've known for most of my life matt um i actually i don't think we've ever like watched this movie together or even really talked about it uh, Have have you was this
2: like your first time watching it or revisiting it or no, this is the the third time i've seen it, and I would say the what? second time, and I would say only the second time I was actually focused on watching it um uh, I saw so- saw it the first time a long time ago. Yeah. Um, the second time was kind of in passing. I think it, you know, it was on TV you're doing something else and you're watching this movie. Right. Um, and then I watched it today. And it was um, not a joke that I literally just finished it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm interested in, in your thoughts then, Matt. What are your, your initial thoughts on Office Space as a film? Give us, give us a little little mini Matt review.
2: Oh my goodness, does it mean so much more now that I work in a setting that some parts of this are so dead on perfect, it's scary. Um, For example, the the world I exist in right now is government work. I work inside the jail. Um, I work night shifts, which just automatically creates this bizarre community Um, We use a language that other people don't understand. Like there is no such thing as Monday through Friday. It is my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, um, because all of us have different set days off. So we don't even talk as far as what day of the week it is. It's like today is my Monday. Today is my Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Um, But in our world, it's email, but the TPS report thing was so much funnier and so much more meaningful now than it ever was when I, fr- and I thought it was funny the first time I saw this, but I was like working part time jobs as like a high school senior or something the first right, time yeah. I saw this. Now I'm like ingrained in the culture of a community that is very much an office setting where it is the same people every single day. You kind of feel like you are literally imprisoned to the job. That is not a pun intended. It is work inside the jail, and it feels like the job sometimes is a is a form of imprisonment that you're stuck there. You have no say in anything. Um, and the amount of times I've heard the words, um, "Didn't you get the email?" is <laughs> not. It's not even funny. So to see. So to see this now, where he's didn't you get the memo um i died laughing on a level that was so much deeper than before like i'm dying laughing but also wanted to cry I wanted to have tears do
0: you also um, have
2: eight bosses it is i i have one direct supervisor but i would say i have so many more than eight <laughs> bosses, and um every shift has a supervisor and because supervisors days off shift to different days and stuff some our supervisor isn't there on our shift so the supervisor of the shift before or after is the one who comes to us and reports what they think the issue is and um Although it tends to run pretty smoothly, in case anybody from work is listening, it tends to tends to run great. It's a super job. I love it. Woo-hoo. But um, every supervisor has a different, you know, like a different idea of what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. So mm-hmm. when they come to you, the yeah, but uh, the line of um, didn't you get the memo? Um, replace the word memo with email, and I've heard that. <laughs> So many times in my life from supervisors and fellow employees, which is exactly what this movie shows. He gets confronted by two supervisors and he goes out to eat with his friends to complain about it. One of them's like, well, um, didn't you get the memo? (laughs) And the amount of times I've heard that from people where they're like, well, didn't you get that email? I'm like, shut up. I didn't see the email. (laughs) But, um, But yeah, no, this job, I mean, this job, this movie, my take on it. It's incredible. It's um, as fitting today as it was the day it was made, although technologies have changed and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but we'll have to explain to the millennial audience listening what a fax machine is in the first place, probably. Um, But the office environment, the interplay between boss, employee, and coworker, It is just still today as funny and and dead on as I think it was the day it was written. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you work in an office environment and you haven't seen this movie, you need to watch it immediately because everything about it will, from the moment that the movie, guys, the movie opens, and one of the most hectic, annoying traffic scenes ever caught on film. And how perfect is that for work? When you're heading to work and you're stuck in traffic and you're like, I got to get there, but this stupid car in front of me won't move. I mean, it's just, it's perfect. I love yeah. it. The
1: yeah. scene, the, the, the moment, the moment of the opening credits, the traffic, the traffic sequence all the way to um, the moment that Peter picks up his phone and he's like, yes. I got the memo <laughs> that whole sequence. That's the thesis statement of the movie. Yeah. Oh, and I it, mean, it, oh. and it, and uh, it, it just, it packs so much into that, but I I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm trying to restrain myself from just going. So I'll let that continue.
2: Yeah. No, but what I love too, is that that scene from exactly what you're saying, the opening shot of like an interstate, that's just bumper to bumper traffic to the point where he says, yeah, I got them on the phone. Exactly what you're saying is that opening segment is so amazingly accurate to the work world. And like the only thing I would say in that whole segment that it exaggerates for the sake of comedy is the old man with the walker that passes him while he's waiting (laughs) for cars to move. Um, But other than that, it's like they don't exaggerate a single thing. They just show you how much it sucks to try and get to work just so that you can hate your job when you get there. Like everything else is not even an exaggeration. It's just a dead on like perfect impersonation of how the, the work world works and it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's a big strength of Mike Judge is that he's such a, he he's such a like, I think he's such a master observational comedy, but instead of it coming through like in standup, he can capture it so perfectly on like in like movies and television or something just like i mean just king of the hill alone is so like it's so mm-hmm. brilliant because of that just like you just this is just who this person is and he doesn't even have to like make make fun of them. you're gonna laugh at that at the things they say <laughs> right <laughs> that was- what what just happened <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i'm like I'm, I'm done like you keep going now <laughs>
2: That's the first time, that's the first time we've ever had like awkward dead air. On <laughs> Nobody agree? Is this that what I'm, love I, I, I love? Did I lose you? you? Leave, you've got to leave that whole moment in because what I love is we're on video. So our first like awkward dead air moment is caught on video where all of us just stop. <laughs> <don't get>
1: <laughs> the only way. We
2: stop. We're staring at the screen like, who's gonna t- who's going to talk?
1: The only way that could have been better if there was a way for us to sort of, like, shift, like, our the perspective of the camera.
0: <laughs> I don't think Google Hangouts knew who to focus
2: on when that happened. I, like, thought that it froze for a, for a moment. Oh, my gosh. Um, so sorry. Yeah, I mean... I was
1: just, I was, I, I, I was, I was trying to let Matt have his moment and then he didn't talk. And so I just kept quiet because I could tell that this was funny.
2: I, I, <laughs> I laughed so hard that like I steamed up my glasses. I, just, I can't see anything. <laughs> Great. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you. Uh, the, I'm, a, I'm an expert moderator until uh, I do this <laughs> for a living. Um, okay. So anyway, but as as I was saying, no, I, I mean, if, if you're, if you're done, Matt, I don't know if you have anything else you want to.
2: And, oh, I'm, I'm done in and, and your initial <laughs> thoughts.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, I want to go to Chuck now, Chuck, uh, you know, this is actually one of the first movies you and I bonded over. Yes. Um, way back in college. And I remember the first things we ever did when we hung out together in college was we went to, we went to a bunch of office places looking for a red swing line stapler.
1: <laughs> yes, we did. We did. <laughs>
0: we couldn't find them anywhere. It was black and maroon and that's it. Right. Yeah. But uh, tell me, uh, tell me your your initial thoughts on this movie. Give me your 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 Chuck
1: mini review. I well, th- there are a few movies in the world that I would say um, there are about three movies that had a profound impact on on me as in, in my development. That I would say were life changing movies for me, and this is one of them. Um, I when the movie came out, I was in high school, and I'll give a little background of my life. Two things that are important. One is. Um, um, I am the only child of a single mom who has always worked in um, business administration. That's That's been her background for, for, for my whole life. And so my earliest memories would be for her picking me up from school and then taking me back to her office for a couple of hours while she finished work for the day. So I grew up in anonymous office parks. With print rooms, receptionists, like I got to know all the people. My mom had a cubicle for many years when she worked for a real estate agent. Uh, my aunt Betsy, um, who lived nearby, she worked in um, a place in Altamont Springs that sold um, that sold computers to office uh, to offices, which that when that was still a, a, you know a novel thing in the late eighties. Um, and that place is no joke called Businessland, which is like the most perfect name for what it could be. Oh my so so I grew up around corporate parks and in office spaces my whole life. So when I first saw this movie, I recognized everyone, mm-hmm. everyone. And that's to me, my the the thing about the movie I could go on and on about is is how pitch perfect the casting is. Not a single person is wasted, and everyone is precisely who they need. To. Like the casting director of this movie should be celebrated for. The rest of their life for how well they did um in in casting this movie but the the other thing is is that when this movie came out i was in high school and um i was in i guess i was i was a uh, I was a sophomore in high school and i did not like school and i was fairly unhappy um in my school environment and this movie came out and I, I didn't see it when it came out. I didn't see it till it was released on home video. So probably by the time it came out, I was, I might've been a junior in high school then by the time I actually saw it. Uh, because again, it did not do well and it really picked up steam as a result of Blockbuster right um, my buddy josh we were driving and he goes dude you have to see this movie Office space and i remember seeing previews for it back in the day or you know before when it was the in its theatrical release and he's like you have to see it i'm like what it's like a lame office corporate movie like it doesn't look that funny he's like no no it's like he's like it's a whole different kind of funny he's like you He's like, the, the premise is that this guy he 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 hates his job and he gets brainwashed um he's getting hypnotized and the dude dies from hypnotizing him and just leaves him in this nirvana state like you have to see this movie i was like okay so I watched it and immediately, like, again, changed my life because I watched it and I was sort of like, yes, that is kind of the attitude I'm going to take in life from here on out. Um, the, 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 the Peter Gibbons sort of, I'm just not going to care anymore because what's the point um, in caring? And so I went from being a really angsty, confrontational teenager that was constantly fighting with my administrators. Like every single day I got an argument with some kind of administrator at my school to, I just didn't care anymore, and I started wearing sandals to school. I had a uniform. I, didn't care. I just started wearing sandals to school. It's like whatever, and they kind of left me alone. And yes. it sort of like it sort of mirrored the whole like Peter thing, where he he stops caring, and then they're like, oh wow, this kid's really got something going for him, um, you know. And 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 it just so it was it, it, this movie. This movie was a life changing thing for me. I don't know if it was a healthy life change, but it was a life change. Um, and as a result, I've watched this movie, as I said, so many times. And it has um it is also just come back around so many times in my life. I uh for a little while I was a um I, I paint I painted garage floors and new construction um in um um in Orlando, like in um like in Lake Mary and, and like Gotha and places like that. And um I suddenly related to Lawrence more and more every day working on the job and to to the point that when I was working there, my voicemail on my phone, when you called was the part where he says, he says, yeah, I got to wake my ass up 6 a.m. Drive out to Boskelitas. Yeah, I'm doing the drywall in the new McDonald's up there. That bit was my, that was my cell phone. Like when you call, that was my voicemail piece.
0: That's, Las Colinas, by the way. It's in Texas. Oh, Las
1: Colinas. Okay. Yeah. Las Colinas. I, I used to go there a lot when I was a kid. See you, by the way, you were the one who told me that this was filmed in Texas. I had no idea where it was filmed. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, uh, and that's when, when you mentioned that Las Colinas or is that, like right? Las Colinas? Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you told me that was a real place, I got, I got, I can't lie. I was a little bit disappointed. Like, oh, if they didn't make that up. That's a real place. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah. And as a result, um, the people from my church who were super conservative about tight would just like hang up the phone because they didn't want to hear a swear word in my voicemail. Um, such but, a rebel, such a rebel, such a rebel. I, but yeah, I, so I, I, as I've already said, I love this movie. I used to watch it every single day. Um, I have, um, I, I have many of the songs in the soundtrack memorized. Um, and I also in the soundtrack is perfect for the movie. Um, and the casting is perfect, and I could go on and on and on and on, and I and I won't because I know we're going to do a whole episode. But I, I just I, I love it so much.
0: Yeah, I, I watched like a like a pretty long, uh, not pretty long, like a like a retrospective uh, with Mike Judge on the movie. and He was talking about Lawrence, and he was like, Lawrence is basically ba- is based on like just the like the plumber who comes in your house, and when he finishes the work, he tells you everything he did. Yeah. So what, what what I did was you see I went I went there and I put, put the unit there and I did that there,
1: like. <laughs> the the fact that he says, the fact that he's like I have to he says I have to wake my ass up, drag or, or I have to wake my ass. What is it? I have to wake up at six a.m. Drag my ass to uh, Las 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 Colinas. Las Calinas. I've been saying Bascalitas for years. So <laughs> Las Colinas is and then before no one asked the question, he just says yeah. I'm doing the drywall in the new McDonald's up there. The fact that he says, yeah, I'm like, I've met that guy. Yeah. yeah. I met mm-hmm. him. He, he lives in Deltona, Florida. Like I've met that person.
0: I I think Lawrence is like, he's like, a, he's pure, pure light to me. Yes. Like just, he just makes me so happy every time he shows up. And I love that he's used so sparingly.
1: Right. And doing yeah, pitch perfect. And like, I mean, great little character quirks. Again, why, why the characterization in this movie is so great. I mean, the, the, like when uh, he first of all, he just gets up and avails himself of a beer from Peter's fridge. Doesn't ask with he, his own bottle opener. <laughs> that, that's the part I was going to get to is like Peter like, hands him a bottle opener and they're in the same tiny apartment kitchen. And he goes, I got it. And he <laughs> pulls out his key ring and uses it to open the beer bottle, which, again, I've met this guy.
2: I've met that guy, too, except he pulled off his shoe and used it as a bottle opener. Shut um, up. <laughs> <laughs> he had a flip-flop with a bottle opener in the bottom, and he wanted to make sure everybody knew. So you got to hand him something. you like, oh, no, I got it. And it takes the extra 45 seconds to take his shoe off and open
1: it. <laughs> God, what a douche. <laughs> they're, they're talking about JP. It was,
2: it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was JP. It was JP, guys i'm that guy i don't care <laughs> yeah the, well, here's a question for you who are you in the movie
0: who am i who do we relate Both to or who? Uh,
2: who? who's the character that you watch the movie and you're like uh, either the one that you're like oh i want to be him or the one where you're like oh like, crap i'm him in an office setting or like right now or in the movie just who are you you tell me i'm asking I- you i am I'm moderating st- for a second i i am samir
1: stuck in traffic at the beginning of the movie <laughs> just screaming profanity into the ether here's the deal i think i think we all part of us all want to be like zen state peter
0: yeah i really I, I i would i would hope i'm peter but i think i, I think i'm sometimes i think i'm like lawrence
1: well that's, that, that's we're all we're all
2: we're all the manager at Chotchkeys. let's be honest <laughs> 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 but that's what but that's why I'm asking. It's like it's like uh, the Good Samaritan okay. story. Everybody wants to be the Good Samaritan. But I, who I, are you actually? I,
0: I will say this. Now now that I think I've actually you know what's funny, Matt? I've watched this movie for years. uh uh-huh. And I've never like tried to like
2: relate to anybody. Relate to but that's now why that I'm a better I'm... moderator than you, but go ahead. But, all right.
0: Well. <laughs>
2: hmm. There it is. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna have to go ahead and uh just <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think I relate to Joanna. Yeah, um, I because she's—I can see that she, of you. She's a bit, she's a bit timid, um, but she definitely will eventually blow up <laughs> in a very <laughs> hilarious fashion, an unexpected way. Um, I kind of, so yeah, I, I think I kind of relate to her out of everyone in this movie. I, I think it's because like everyone in this movie is kind of really mean. I don't know. I don't think I really relate to mean people.
1: Well, I think I think well Samir's not mean. is a very good person.
0: Yeah. Right? Well I d I don't know so relate to Samir, because Samir is very <laughs> much like he wants to be like a successful uh, you know, American dream. Like right. he wants he he, he wants the he
1: it would be nice. It would be nice to have that kind of job security. That's my yeah.
2: favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing Guys, how more. would you feel if like fifty years from now we're still
1: doing this? <laughs> <laughs> If I had a million dollars, I would give, I would invest it and give a portion of it to my friend, uh, Alexis, <laughs> the guy, who the Securities. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, no, I, I think knew this was, episode would just evolve into
0: us quoting it. I knew, no, it was- I,
1: I, I think when you talk about characterization though, I think, I think you're right. Cause one of the things I noticed in this movie this time around that I never noticed before is how cruel Bill Lumberg is. Yeah.
0: Actually, I have a fan theory about Bill Lumberg, by the way. I know you don't like fan theories, Chuck, but I, I think I have a pretty
1: right. good one. All right. What's your fan theory? I think Bill Lumberg is sleeping with uh, Peter's girlfriend. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Cause then why would he call her?
0: Yeah.
2: Or oh. would she called
0: him when he, when he didn't come into work.
2: You see guys, I, I have experience. I will not say whether it is past or present experience, but I have experience with um, supervisors who have a desire to be more of a friend than a boss.
0: Yeah, I did too.
2: sometimes it comes across as him. And what I mean by that is, when I watched this movie this time, my view of him was entirely different. It wasn't, oh my gosh, here's an evil guy out to ruin people's life. It was, oh my gosh, here's a lonely guy who is desperately wanting friends to the point where he'll be like, "Um, I'm gonna need you to work this weekend so that he's not alone on the weekend.
0: <laughs> like, you, did, did you guys notice that Lumberg never says no? Never what? He never says the word no.
1: Right. He uses, he the, word, neg-
0: he uses the word yeah as no.
1: <laughs> right, well that's, that fits in with like the cor- like You can tell that there's like the corporate policy that's gotten to his brain. Like yeah. no is negative, so you don't say no
2: but you express, I mean, cause it's, it's, it's yeah, all it's, in the culture. It's like, it's like if somebody came to you and was like, uh, is it okay if I drive my car right through the front of your house? And you're like, um, yeah, it's probably better if you don't, <laughs> rather than saying no. <laughs> it's right. Like, yeah, it's probably better if you don't do
1: that yeah just say it uh, it, 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 it ties into stuff that I heard when I worked in clothing retail like at American Eagle in different places when they were always like you know ask open-ended questions don't ask questions so that people can give a no answer like there's this whole thing where it gets into your head to especially if you're working your way up a corporate ladder and so I I, that's that's what I see with
2: him is that he's just
1: internalized all of this like
2: business speak stuff. what what I see is the perfect incarnation of passive aggression, which drives me up the wall. Yeah. Like when he confronts him on anything, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I want a boss. I would prefer a boss who walks into the room and is like, everything you do is sucks. You need to change it or you're gonna get fired rather than a boss who's like, "Um, so we could probably do this a little better, don't you think? <laughs> Uh, is this good
0: for the company
2: yeah it's probably a better idea if we do our best rather than just kind of get by don't you agree (laughs) like that's the person i want to punch in the face like just if you're be aggressive just be aggressive um passive aggression is (laughs) uh that's like my pet peeve and this guy is like if passive aggression is your pet peeve, then this guy is like the ultimate nails on a chalkboard. When he talks, everything he says is what I hate. I hate it. I hate it. And his heightened
1: gestures, like when he goes to take the swing line stapler from Milton, and he's like, he's like, "Where is it? Oh yeah, there, there. I'm just gonna need to, uh, yeah."
2: I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, take that. But yeah. by the way, I'm I'm a middle child, so Milton is my character. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's open. I'm the guy who watches the cake get passed out to everybody else and misses his piece. <laughs> that that is me.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like that's the thing about the movie where I I, never, I didn't realize until this time around how just deeply cruel they are, especially to Milton. Yeah. Because he's clearly like some kind of mentally challenged person. He's got a sad existence he's taking the bus he like clearly because of his thick glasses like he can't drive um and and they're just and then the whole thing of like that i mean you talk about the ultimate passive aggression matt it's like well we just fixed the payroll error so it'll sort itself out so nobody has to actually say the words like you don't work here anymore there's no one taking responsibility for anything they're just being now cruel to him to push him out so that he's someone else's problem
2: but but what i think is funny is he is like the most Grounded, straightforward, and honest character throughout the entire movie. That's true. He says but right at the beginning, to the if point they can't where he Stapler, says, "I'm going to burn, burn the, the building." B- and then he I'm going to burn the building down. <laughs> He—it's our character who is loyalty and honesty and straightforward and never, never like talks around the bush, but just honestly relates to people—is the one who burns the building down.
0: <laughs> I named the squirrels, and they were married. <laughs> Can I just say, uh, back to Bill Lumberg for a second, who I think is, I, he he makes the movie. And um, Mike Judge has said that like he decided to make the movie when Gary Cole, the guy who plays Lumberg, came in and read for the part. That's when he knew, like, oh, yeah, I'm making this movie. Yeah, uh, because Gary Cole, what, what they did is, you know, uh, I if you saw the Instagram post where I posted the, one of the Milton shorts, um, it's based on a series of, of animated shorts that Mike Judge made back in his days when he was doing animations out of his garage in Dallas, Texas.
1: Right. It wound up on the Tracy Ullman show, right? No, not Tracy Ullman. Um, it was, I think, I think Milton ended up on Comedy Central. Because I, I know for sure that they showed that they showed up at one of the Milton shorts. The First time I ever saw them and realized that that Office Space was connected to that. It showed up on a Saturday TV Funhouse bit on SNL, but I heard that they yeah. had been somewhere before that. <clears throat> um,
0: I don't know if it's Tracy Ullman. I know it's like Saturday Night Live, Comedy Central, Liquid Television, on MTV. Okay. Um But yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, See, <laughs> so yeah, I do it. It just it just gets in there. Um, so where was it going okay so yeah he's
2: like he's like darth vader guys i mean like a new (laughs) hope
0: just just imagine a passive aggressive darth vader
2: star wars wouldn't have (laughs) let's be honest star wars wouldn't exist if it weren't for darth vader you needed that villain who made the story so much more than it was and that's what he is like this movie is nothing without um without the villain yeah and so.
1: But I don't see him as a villain. Sorry, go ahead. I,
2: I'm, we're just, we're oh no, KBP oh no, we can get to it. But I agree with you. I don't see him as the villain. But as far as the movie goes, he is the antagonist. So he's the quote-unquote villain of the movie, and he, well, he okay. just like he drives it forward. He really does. But so Go ahead, JP. This, but, uh, but Gary Cole, he he
0: definitely based his performance on uh, Mike Judge's voice as that his uh, version of, of Bill Lumberg in the in the animation. And uh, he, Mike Judge is like, he did it. He somehow did it better than I did. <laughs> so, uh, but, that's, but that's, that's another thing. It's, um, you know, that I was saying about what Mike Judge's talent is, that he could just give you a character and just, like, tell you who this person is. And it's like, you don't even have to make a joke or a punchline. They could just start talking and you'll just die laughing. And that's who Bill Lumberg is. And I think one of the fascinating things about Bill Lumberg is, like, he is so once peter kind of falls into his hypnotic state he is so powerless right and it's kind of just it It kind of shows you the kind of the phoniness of corporate culture it doesn't matter none of that none of it matters none of it means anything
1: well they also i realized watching it too they hint at that bill Lumberg, bill Lumberg himself is probably in the middle of a midlife crisis <laughs> yeah Because his birthday happens in the movie, and he turns forty-one, and I thought that was a that's an odd age to show in a movie forty-one. So that means the movie opens when he's forty. The first shot you see of him is him parking his Porsche, that has a license plate that says "My Porsche." He hits his little like remote lock thing, and he just stares at his Porsche for a couple of seconds before walking into the office. So it's clear, like it's either it's new or it really means something to him, which is you know getting a Porsche in your 40s is classic midlife crisis, you know, cinematic language. And so I think, like, that's part of it, too. He's impotent, right? Like, I mean, it's adding to this idea that he is this impotent, um, it probably, you know, like, in all the, in all the meanings of that word, midlife crisis, impotent man, um, who all he has is this job that gives him his you know veneer of authority, but once someone like Peter comes in who just does not care anymore, it's completely powerless. Yeah,
0: totally. And you know, the, just just to kind of, I think the the scene that really highlights his passive aggressiveness is after the Bobs are like really impressed with Peter, uh, which by the way, I love the Bobs so. Oh, the much. Bobs are great. John C. McGinley, brilliant. Yes. Um but uh the fact they make him look a little bit like Hitler, also perfect. <laughs> the way he plays with his mustache. Um but uh he the, the the I think the what really highlights his passive aggressive is when the Bobs straight up tell him we're promoting Peter. He could just be like, no, don't. He hasn't been coming to work, he's horrible. Instead he's like
2: mm, Yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to disagree with
0: you there. Mm, yeah. Mm. Like <laughs> And it's funny because, like, even with his in his passive aggressiveness, like
1: you could tell that, that Bob Slidell is like really pissed off. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Because the, the other so guy's offended. like, the other guy is like, he he does this little thing with his nose. He's like, "I'll handle, I'll handle this one." And he puts <laughs> his hand in front of him, sort of. But like in like where he like touches the table, he doesn't actually like. That's my favorite thing too. Is the other Bob? I can't remember that that Bob's name, but that Bob is another perfect encapsulation of corporate gestures language because. First of all, the way he does his hand and kind of puts it on the table in front of that Bob is just pitch perfect. And then when he points, when he points at Bill Lumberg and he says, you know, you're not, the problem is that you're not challenging him. He taps the table instead of actually pointing a finger. He taps, taps the table in his direction. Again, non confrontational, corporate, like non aggression, Mm -hmm. passive, you know, just so, so perfect. All of it is so perfect um
0: so yeah and, and that's i don't know that i think that's i think bill lumberg might be one of the great whether or not he's a villain i mean that can be debatable but definitely a great antagonist
1: um i would argue that peter is the villain oh maybe i don't know he's his own because he causes all the conflict
0: that's true yeah i mean because like well that's what that's, that, and that's that's the kind of what i'm saying is like bill lumberg I mean, the antagonist is someone who creates obstacles for the protagonist, And like I said, he becomes ineffective. <laughs> eventually. You <Right. laughs> can't do anything. I
2: mean, um, I mean, I mean, the ultimate message of the movie is that Peter is his own villain. Yeah. I mean, it literally gets to the point where he's like, oh, Lumberg doesn't mean anything. I don't know why I let him bother me. Which um, make,
1: Which makes this movie an interesting companion piece to Fight Club. Yeah people a lot of people make that
0: comparison between I, and but to be honest I think I like this movie more than fight club yeah i think <laughs> this movie is aged better than fight club has fight club is a bit hmm i don't know yeah
2: mm, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't you don't you don't you think we could have made a better movie yeah <laughs> i think we could have done our best on that one mm-hmm. It is yeah
0: and, and, and it is kind of funny that that we're saying that like he's he's ineffective- the, Peter's more of a villain, especially since like there is a sort of a turning point in the script when when drew, you know the Oface guy, tells Peter that Joanna slept with Lumberg, which I remember watching that for the first time, and that was kind of like a darth Vader's your father moment. <laughs> And because, I mean, Bill, you know, it's funny because like he, he didn't and yet he's still like it kind of shows that like even though Lumberg didn't do what he thought he did, he still had
1: that has like, you know, that space in Peter's head still. Right. Literally, you see it in the, in the dream sequence uh, like, uh, in the next scene, which uh, I read uh, uh, the initial plan for that was for him, was for uh, Gary Cole to also have the suspenders on. <laughs>
0: that would have been so great.
1: But they felt that that was just too creepy and just too much.
0: I love the suspenders. They always match his ties. Yes. <laughs> um, so, but yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, what about the other characters? We, didn't, we haven't really talked about like uh, Samir or, or Mike, Michael Bolton. Michael, Michael Bolton, I, I, that's like one character I feel the most sorry for in this movie. Because I could tell he's just so angry. Like he just, he's so upset with everything. And he doesn't know how to like express himself. And so he listens to, to hip
2: hop. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like he- And has know. this horrible racist moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're well, well, I think that he's, um,
1: I think the, uh, for, for Michael Bolton, for me though, is watching it last night. He's the only one who is not shown being angry about the traffic situation. Cause he's got an outlet. He's listened to rap. Of course you get this funny moment where, because the song's about to drop the N word. So he like locks the door <laughs> as a black man selling flowers is, you know, he rolls the window up and then he locks the door it shows he's racist, but right. he's, but he's the only one who's, um, He's the only one who's not like angry in traffic. And if you think, if you watch him without the movie, the only thing, the only time he gets really angry is with the with the fax machine. PC load letter, which do you know what that means? No, I, I have no idea what that means. Paper cartridge load letter size paper. Okay, what does that mean? It means it's out of paper. It
2: means you have oh. yeah, you're out of paper. Oh, okay, <laughs> but, but then... I didn't know
1: that. I didn't know that until um, Kana told me that she had a printer that had that error message that popped up, and that's what it meant. It's just. Paper like paper compartment. That's what it is. PC is paper compartment. Load letter meaning letter size paper, and that's all that means. But obviously, unless you know that, it, it's one. of It's a great. It's a. That's another perfect thing. Engineers design things for engineers. They don't design them for consumers. So here's here's this guy at work. He doesn't. what when he says, you know, what the does that mean? Um, it's just perfect. This is a perfect yeah, thing I do. too. I can David He's, Herman. Yeah, he David Herman's a great actor. And he shows up. He was on um because he was de- as I understand, he was desperately trying to get out of um crack TV when they made this, or Mad, Mad TV, TV, I mean, when they made this movie. And he later shows up as a Yoda sounding guru in Dude, Where's My Car? Yeah. Um and to my I could thank you for saying his name because to my mind, he's always Michael Bolton. That's just how I, <laughs> I, just, I was, oh, Michael Bolton's in this. He um but when you're talking about how bad you feel for him, the moment that I just, I really shows what an actor he is, is when he succumbs to the whole Michael Bolton conversation with the Bobs. And you can just watch his soul die. Um, And the fact that the movie has only established this with like a couple of lines of dialogue and that you can feel that kind of pain is a testament to how well made a movie this is. But that's when it's like, you can see that he's, he's, he's selling himself for the corporate machine just to just to save his job and but he tries to take a little bit of control
2: yeah. Yeah. right after, he, after. Ends, he ends attempting to control it and then you immediately see him fall back into like shrinking down to nothing because he's like you can call me Mike and there <laughs> everybody's just staring at him and you can see him immediately shrink back down to okay, sorry
0: gosh that just reminds me so much of working in a corporate setting like I've had a couple of office jobs that are like working in an and it is it is kind of like you make little little decisions like that can like alter someone's perception of you. It's so stupid. I hate it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, don't know. I the whole like the, the, the way the whole joke is like started by like people are his name Michael Bolton and like he hates it. Just call him Mike and then it ends with that scene. Um, so Which,
1: also, can we just point out what a stupid question they ask him? <laughs> your name's Michael Bolton. Are you related to the singer? Why would I have the same name? <laughs> now, if I'm like Dave Bolton and you're like, Oh, are you related to Michael Bolton? Like that's a, that's a legitimate question. But because I have the same name, you think I'm related
0: or, or just the fact like, does that mean you're a huge fan? Right.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Who names, who names their children after people that they're into.
0: Well, he was, it. he was before, he was born before Michael Bolton. Was I, I was born. joking because He's, my son
2: is Bond. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're raising a little Michael Bolton is what you're doing. <laughs> I'm, right you're creating I'm hoping a- somebody asked him, are you related to James Bond? <laughs> you must really like James Bond movies.
0: Yeah. Cause I named myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, maybe. So maybe I, anyway, maybe. I think what's interesting about, uh, the way we're talking about this movie. And I've always kind of noticed about, about this movie in particular. The way we're talking about, we're talking about a big, a big chunk of the film, which is most, mostly about sort of the corporate life that happens, that uh, the the characters that occupy the space, the corporate culture, how and how it's affecting everyone in the movie and stuff. Uh, no one really talks about the sort of reversal in the narrative, how it be, sort of becomes like a, a goofy heist movie.
2: Yeah, because to be honest, I don't care. The, the movie, the movie has lasted because of the the opening. Um, the two thirds of the movie. Believe, yeah. I, yeah, I don't believe that the movie itself, the story is not anything spectacular. It's not even great. Like I actually thought, where this movie excels and where it's genius is when nothing's happening. The second you introduce the storyline to it, it becomes just,
0: eh. Well, the, the story of Peter, you know, falling into hypnosis, I think that's, that's good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it back. I agree. That one is a unique and fun way to mix things up. But as far as like, then he didn't need to do anything. All you needed to do was play off the, the guys coming into review and basically promoting him because of the the fact that he doesn't care about his job. So they promote him. Um, If they just kept that going and, the movie about that without introducing the aspect of stealing the money and all that. I just,
1: well, I would say, I mean, the movie has, the movie has an interesting and different theme because it it sort of sets itself up as an anti-work movie, but it ends being a very pro work movie. And knowing that Mike judge is a Republican, it does kind of hit (laughs) into some of those, into some of his libertarian uh, Republican type um, ethos because I mean the, move, you know, the whole thing of Peter saying you know, we weren't meant to sit in little cubicles and do this kind of work well it ends with Peter doing like outdoor manual construction work like traditionally manly man work and he's I, happy about it and he's happy and he finds fulfillment in it and so the movie ultimately ends with I mean even Joanna says it you know you you just find something that gives you happiness that's how you get through this stuff and so it winds up being a pro work movie um, and the idea of, taking, of finding fulfillment in the job that you do but critiquing the fact, because like, because uh, it's and it's true to, and that bit is also true to samir and and Michael, because they're kind of satif- satisfied in their jobs. They're not mm-hmm. as angsty about him as, as Peter. And so they wind up working for innotrode um at the end. so they they continue doing software engineering work because that's what makes them happy. Um, but Peter clearly wants to be liberated from that and find something else to do with his life. But, um, why I mentioned that is because part of the, I think the movie needed to liberate Peter from that. If it just ended with him being promoted, he's miserable. And I, I mean, it would be interesting to see the movie take that dark of a turn where he's sort of promoted into a, into a, into another, like it's promotion, but it's another, um, another, uh, ring of hell. Yeah. you know, another hell a circle of hell he but it becomes Lundberg, maybe well what, what I yeah, kept... but I, I, but I think that that's part of what Mike judge is trying to do though is to reinforce the idea that work is not the villain. It's the idea of sort of not having an idea or a passion about what you want to do with your life. that's the that's the problem because he's listless and unhappy. And as he says over and over, I'm working here because I just never really knew what I wanted to do.
2: And well, the part, the thing that like, even knowing how the movie goes and watching it this time around, the thing I kept waiting to happen is for somebody to snap and him to wake up. Oh yeah. Break it. And I feel like that's the the movie. I feel like that's the route though, that the movie could have went is that he gets hypnotized and the guy has a heart attack in the middle of hypnotizing him and leaves him in this perfect state of like, I don't give a crap about my job. And because of that, he starts excelling and moving up the line. And if just played off that office environment, that opening of the interactions between people to the point where he keeps getting promoted and then somebody snaps. And he wakes up and realizes I'm the only one who's been standing in my way. And he chooses to leave and goes out and finds a job he wants. They had done that route with it. I feel like it could have been better. That's true. Does he end and it, up with it, Joanna? I don't know. That's, that's, I don't want to make that decision. I'll leave that to the writers. But I feel like it could have been a better movie if you yeah, got yeah. Rid of the heist part. You already introduced one ridiculous scenario where he's hypnotized. Uh-huh. Um, why introduce an Ocean's Eleven scenario well, into it? I, and I, I don't I, know if it's necessary Is all.
0: I, I think even though I don't like it, like, I, I think it's sort of the kind of the weakest part of the movie, even though it's still funny. Like, there's yeah, there's, still, by, John...
2: yeah by don't like it, we should all be clear. It's still great and funny. Yeah. It's just not the strong part of the movie. I
0: think it, even though it's, it's not very strong, I think it still pays off. Uh, because I don't think, I think the movie would have been much, much darker if it ended with Milton burning the office down without the heist. Because the burning the building down while the heist was happening, it's both hilarious and also, like, you're relieved that it happened.
2: <laughs>
0: because well, that means everyone got leads, away with it.
2: And it leads to that scene that I was watching when we started where Milton is the one who found the money. <laughs> so he's sitting on the beach. So sitting even on though the beach waiting for his drink. <laughs>
0: even though it's not my favorite part of the movie, uh, I think they, they find a way to, to land it and to pull it off.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I just I think there could have been different ways to explore it. I think so too. And I'm wondering, and I'm wondering if one of those other ways could have been better. But the movie well, we have is great. So. Well,
1: and I think you're right, Matt, because one of the things that I've I've long been kind of interested, in you and you gave language to it and, and that I hadn't really thought about is that the fact is the fact that the movie does spend so much time building you up to this final snap to snap him out of the hypnosis
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it does sort of leave like an unfired gun in the, in the plot.
2: Well, and I mean, and if you really want to dissect the movie, it leaves this hanging question of like, okay, great. So if I don't go get hypnotized to be happy, I can never be happy. Like, is he only happy at his new construction job because he's still hypnotized into Nirvana? <laughs> like,
1: There's your sequel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody snaps him out of it when he's like a foreman running the show.
0: <laughs> um Yeah um yeah
2: yeah 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 guys don't you think we could do a better podcast maybe. yeah maybe
1: not to come Didn't back
2: get- uh, <laughs> i think <laughs> and,
1: uh, i I, yeah. I just i just want to say that i think that what i love about this movie too is that i find it i find it to be a very spiritual movie how so Um, because of its comments about sort of like the human spirit, the idea that sitting in cubicles and doing work is contrary to what it means to be fully alive and fully human. And the fact that he goes to a, you know, a a occupational hypnotherapist or the guy like dims lights has a whole spiritual practice in order to sort of try to liberate him from it. And he finds this Zen like Nirvana state that allows him to just sort of, I mean, he really does enter into like a Zen state. I mean, where he has no attachment Mm -hmm. and, and that's what, um, and that that's what, that's what, you know, the, the movie, that, that's what really moves the plot forward and, and plus he really likes
0: the movie the, the TV show, Kung
1: Fu, that kind of ties into it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, that's one of the things why I really liked about it is I, 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 over the years is that it integrates this really interesting, well, not really interesting, but it, it integrates this spiritual piece into the plot of this otherwise brilliant workplace comedy
2: oh and i mean and it i mean it's obvious so i don't want to sound cheesy by saying it i mean the whole movie's idea is self-awareness is what brings joy in life it's realizing that the thing that's keeping me from feeling joy and contentment is myself i mean that's basically the message to the movie is finally realizing i can blame my job i can blame my boss I can blame my bad relationships, but even if I don't care about my job, my boss doesn't mean anything to me and I get the girl I want. None of it matters if I'm still standing in my own way.
1: Right. Which Um, sort of fits into something Richard, Richard Rohr talks about lately, which is the idea of the false self and the true self. And that, that seems to be part of the, the narrative of the movie too. I also couldn't help, but as we've talked a little bit about this, Matt, thinking about some of the stuff that, um, that Rob Bell said when we went to the intro to joy piece Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks back, um, uh, when he talked about the book of Ecclesiastes and the, the whole idea of, you know, the puff of air, the, the vanity piece, um, that there, and that's something you said JP earlier about like how so much of it just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and how Peter sort of exposes how much of it doesn't matter when he just stops treating it like it matters.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also, there was a meeting, which is an inside joke that only one person probably <laughs> listening to us that actually went to Rob Bell would understand. But, but go ahead.
1: By the way, I love that every one of his Instagram posts from the from the intro to Joy Tour has the caption, there was a meeting. And like that, there was a meeting. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: good stuff, good stuff.
1: Sorry, yeah. sorry, JP. Inside jokes. Yeah, so okay, JP really goes, fine. yeah,
2: like he has any idea what we're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember that.
2: Yeah. You guys have your bromance, but I talked to Ch for two seconds and JP gets jealous. It's fine. It's fine.
0: <clears throat> Anywho, um, So I, I didn't really get to talk, give my own mini review. Yeah. yeah you do it. You do it. I, <laughs> I totally I've,
1: been, I've been waiting it. for it all along. This is all intro. We got more. We got more to go
0: we forgot about it. Uh, I, well, yeah. So like I, I discovered the movie like when I was about 16 years old, like, I didn't, I didn't see him theaters. I don't know why I didn't, I should have, I think, it, I honestly, I don't think the marketing was, I think the marketing, uh, done, done it wrong.
1: Well, that's what uh, Mike Judge even said that they didn't know how to market the movie because the jokes, none of the jokes and humor in the movie plays to a trailer.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not, they're not really jokes. Like,
1: yeah. Um,
0: So it came out on like a – I think I saw it. It came out like a VHS, and I don't know what inspired me to seek it out. I just watched it one day and thought it was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life, even at that age. And it's so funny because it's like watching this movie at 16, it kind of like made me scared (laughs) of like getting – ending up that way and went in a job like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I eventually – did for a couple of a few years. Um, yeah, uh, but just, but as a movie, um, I love it because of the direction that Mike Judge took of just sort of focusing on the unglamorous kind of office uh, comedy. Um, you know, he, he has said that when, when it was in its development stage, you know, executives are saying, like, well, can it take place in Wall Street or something or like in a high rise? It's like, no, no, no. It's got to be like one of these nondescript two story buildings um, and and, 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 an, and an office park. As an, like, aside, as,
1: as an aside, I have a weird fascination and like love of like <laughs> anonymous corporate parks. <laughs> I, it's weird. I don't but
0: um that is funny uh so i i like that he captures that and that it's not and and the the office park and the you know the 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 flingers and the tchotchkes and even the 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 apartments with the wall-to-wall carpet yep with the thin walls where you can hear your neighbor (laughs) and uh and the very nondescript cars everybody drives and that is so. Like to me, I feel like that's kind of that was kind of groundbreaking at the time. It's just so mundane, and it's, it's just like, so
1: like it's it's like what we call normcore.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Kind of, I wouldn't even call it like minimalist. Like it's just it's just what the yeah. world actually looks
1: like. <laughs> yeah, normcore. It's just vanilla right. beige. There.
2: Well, and yeah. now and now not not just because of the title, obviously, but this had to have a. Direct influence on the show later, The Office. Oh, definitely. Oh,
0: I you know, and I want to. Because I mean, you watch
2: you watch this movie, and it feels like the movie version of The Office in a way. Um, you've got the 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 overbearing boss who, but they both react differently. But both of them are like trying to befriend slash overlord their employees. Um the awkward moments, the, the mundane nonsense, the two-story building where you're just that guy in the cubicle upstairs. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, there's a direct tie between the two for sure. <laughs> yeah, finish it out, Jimmy. But, um, so yeah, I love
0: the end the glamorous. I love that he captured that. I love that it, it, that it was kind of groundbreaking. I wish more movies would would try that. Um, I, because it kind of shows that like the movies really does stand on the characters and the people that populate the the story, and you know, even Ron Livingston has said that, like, I don't think it's really about me, Peter. I think it's really about everybody else in the movie. He's like, I'm just the bus driver, and everyone else is on this bus and all getting on and getting off. Um, and I, I can kind of see that. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I don't think that the the last act is great, but I, they they're still able to really pay it off. And one thing I thought was kind of interesting about the last act is the way it kind of is shifted into gear is when Drew tells uh Peter that Joanna slept with Lumberg. What's funny about Drew, completely absent from the movie up right. until that moment. Totally absent totally absent he just like shows up in the at the beginning of the last act of the movie
1: yeah he does he just shows up um when uh the, the, his first bit is when he just shows up and i love it. they're like oh oh hey drew like like yeah the fact they pack it in they're like oh he's there like you know him and and just you there's history But and he shows he, up at tom's party and stuff and yeah and he tells them about tom's party that's like yeah. his, that's when he shows up yeah and he wears that it, it, the lime green dress shirt is perfect for his character and probably. the sunglasses with the bands like that's the oakley's yeah the titanium oakley's <laughs> So I think they're knockoff titanium acolies.
0: But anyway, probably I don't know. But yeah, I just I just I think it's I think it's it's one of those comedies that first of all, it doesn't get really doesn't really get made anymore, not in movies. I think it's kind of being done like on TV now. Like I think Crashing uh is sort of doing a lot of things that they're doing in this sh- in this movie uh the the Pete holmes show on HBO,
1: which I know you and you and Matt are really big fans of and I need to get on watching like 2 weeks ago. You would love it, Chuck. Um,
0: and one of the things I love about that is because is, you know, Pete Holmes comes from like an evangelical background and they talk about that and they show, uh, his church and stuff. And it's like, they, they show an evangelical church, which is like totally nondescript, like not, you know, glamorous at all. It's not like, you know, it's like a a Catholic church or anything. It's, it really is just like a boring church. Uh. So I, I I want more, I'm not saying I want more boring movies, but I want more movies that just like that looks like the world around me, populated with like really great characters. Um, and that's why I love this movie so much. And and it's it's part of a kind of a I think a series of movies that came out all that all throughout the nineties that were just sort of about regular people and you could just quote them endlessly because they're so funny. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that is just, that's just not being done anymore. Everything is an, is like a, everything is a one liner. Everything is like a, a, a button to end a scene. Um, everything is like a reaction to something funny, you know, it's not, not, not to get all like uh, all the kids today or anything like that, but I don't know the whole Judd Apatow style of filmmaking is, 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 is good for its itself. But you know, give, give me, give me, give me back to good old fashioned comedy, please. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie dearly, and I love the characters in it, and I and um, I think it has influenced me a little bit, the, the humor and stuff. Uh, um, and um, I love Mike Judge. I disagree with him a lot on his politics, uh, but I, I love everything he's done. I love King of the Hill. I love Beavis and Butthead. I still uh, I love this movie. Silicon Valley is a great show. Um, I know Matt's seeing Silicon Valley, right?
2: Yes, I have. It's hilarious.
0: That's another show Chuck needs to watch that I think he would really love. What show? Silicon Valley. Oh, yes, I do need to watch that. That's Mike Judge's show he's doing now. Um, so yeah, that that's just my kind of mini review. And, and it is kind of funny because I I I did end up working two corporate jobs, um, one at a securities firm, and it, it was I, I kind of feel like I could have ended up like Milton. Um, But I sort of hilariously, instead of being backed into a corner, I kind of took up a lot of space. (laughs) I I think I had, one of my managers said that I had, like, more real estate in the office than anybody else had. Um, But I I think it's kind of funny is, like, I've never had a Bill Lumberg. My supervisors were always, like, actually very nice. And they were never very passive-aggressive. But I think the one thing that this movie kind of captures that that I felt, you know, my background is in, is in filmmaking, working in the entertainment industry, basically having jobs that are very, I would say interesting and fun and, and, and give me life. I remember the first time at, at my first corporate job, I got yelled at or reprimanded for doing something wrong and how miserable it made me feel just because it's like, I just got yelled at for doing something wrong or something that I don't even care about yeah like and that made me feel worse than the actual reprimand (laughs) like i don't even care about you like this was not my plan this is not my world and you're mad at me
1: and that makes me feel awful it's part of that culture yeah i mean yeah i've 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 been there too Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like what was it It was just a little thing like why are you making me feel it's like
0: the flare You know, like making me feel bad, making Joanna feel bad about the flair. That's why, that's why, I I think that's why I relate to her. Yeah. Because she just wants to put her head down and do her work. And this guy's like, not the flair. It's just like, really? Really? I'm working my butt
1: off. And I've always loved that the flair always, to me, has carried like a slight tone of like sexual harassment. Yeah. You want to express yourself, don't you? Like, I love that there's just that little bit about it.
0: Yeah. So Um, then, that's my little. uh,
1: if I'll take on Office Space. One of, one, of the, Matt, one of the things, Matt, you were saying earlier about the connection between Office Space and The Office. I was trying to look it up because um, Greg Daniels was one of the producers on The Office, and he's friends with Mike Judge and had worked with him on King of the Hill. And I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out if he was involved in Office Space, but I haven't seen anything saying that he was. But um, He could have been.
0: I it's always thought that there was a credit. connection
1: when I saw his name on the credits back when I watched TV, watched the show, but... Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's a it, it is a Office Space was a major reason how that got adapted for U.S. audiences. Probably,
0: I you know you know what's interesting about The Office is um, I think The Office owes a lot to Office Space, first of all. Uh, but also, I think what The Office does and and how it's so successful is that there 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 isn't like it doesn't go into areas of like a little heist. You know, right it doesn't have that uh, there, there's no one's burning down a building although there was that one episode where they thought the
2: where building- they thought dwight was down the building
0: <laughs> Ryan left something in the microwave
1: yeah I mean it it, it definitely takes the parts that we were saying that like and it, what you were saying earlier Matt that are the stronger parts of the movie office space which is just the the workplace stuff and it just okay. makes a, a whole show out of that And so in some ways it, it sort of embraces what Seinfeld set in television, which is that you can have a show about nothing. (laughs) It's just these characters interacting with one another rather than it being about this plot narrative.
0: Why do you think Mike judge used a hip hop
1: soundtrack for this movie? I think the juxtaposition. Yeah. That's my feelings on it, but that, that or it, it, it kind of, there's a, so, in one of the editions I own of of um, Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club, the novel, he talks about how when he wrote Fight Club, he was trying to capture the sort of broken spirit of of middle class males in of like Gen X males, mostly white Gen X males in the United States, because they were they had no we had no like war to define us. We had no anything like it was, they're just sort of a vanilla non-person, non-entity working these anonymous corporate jobs. And, and so this, this desire to try to feel alive. And so that there's this like under this sort of angsty thing out there. And I'm wondering if it sort of feels like using the use of hip hop sort of speaks to one, that underlying rage, that exists that 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 was there for for gen x males in the in the professional world in the late 90s but also i think sort of speaks to what hip-hop is about which is hip-hop being the, the 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 rage felt by black by black males largely um of that time um, feeling, you know, this oppression from the white man on them, which these guys are also feeling, right? I mean, it's, yeah. uh, um, and and I so I think there's a there's just sort of a thematic connection with that 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 speaks to it. I mean, and it's also funny because prior prior to this movie, you would you would not have expected to see hip hop used in an overwhelmingly white middle class storyline like that just hadn't been done before. This was the first movie to do that, and. Um, And the songs are great. I mean, damn, it feels good to be a gangsta is the most perfect song for that montage of the movie.
2: Well, I Uh, see I see it more as um, I see it more embodied in that opening scene. That's where he's racist. (laughs) But um, I see it more as a, a juxtaposition of the fact of everything that they're whining and complaining about really isn't that big deal. That's a good point. Because this this music that's playing behind it is dealing with issues so much more intense. And I feel like that scene introduces that immediately where he's listening to, to his hip hop in the car and he's rapping into it and he's all into it. And as soon as a black man carrying flowers starts walking toward him, he gets scared and rolls his window up to hide from him. And it's like, you want to relate to being this like poor oppressed guy who's just out to like take on the world. And then the second you're confronted with a human being who's actually like out in the world and dealing with issues, you're hiding from him and scared. And then he walks away and you go back to being the tough guy. And that's the theme to the movie. That's a really good point. Is re- we think we're the tough guy dealing with the issues, but it's really, you're just a pathetic white guy who's working.
1: <laughs> well, and if I'm not mistaken, that song is one of the two songs. Cause Damien feels good to be a gangster. There's like two or three songs on the soundtrack that are done by the ghetto boys. And Damien feels good to be a gangster being one of them. And then, um, Uh, the song that plays when they're destroying the printer. And then I think this one might be as well. But if I remember correctly, that song that Michael Bolton is listening to in the car is really trying to paint a picture of what life is like in the ghetto. And the idea that like, you know, you see these guys are bragging about all the people they kill, but they don't really, they don't really need to do that. There's all this fronting and faking and all this. And it really like paints this really bleak picture of what it's like to be living in in you know in in a ghetto with violence and drug dealing and all of that cuz that's what gangster rap was was basically just trying to paint a portrait of what of what a, a segment of the population deals with every single day this is the nightmare they live in and that song is what Michael Bolton is listening to doing so for entertainment purposes and like you said the minute he sees a black man who's selling flowers on the side of the road which indicates that that guy is selling flowers on the side because he has to mm-hmm. Um, he comes from a place of 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 poverty and trouble, likely um, because of just what we can see that he's selling flowers on the side of the road, and then that's when Michael Bones like, "Oh no, no, I don't want to, I don't want I don't want to deal with that." Like I'm okay with it when I engage with it, entertainment wise, but mm-hmm. when it becomes an actual reality, there's someone struggling, there's someone of a different race, and I'm sort of perpetuating this problem by my existence I'm gonna turn the volume down and just pretend that I'm just here, and then yeah, when he walks by, and I love that when he turns it back up, I got my pistol point cock. <laughs> let it raise shades, let, let it let ready to lay shots nonstop stop until I see racial slur. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's what I'm actually just realizing
0: is like, um, the hip hop that's used in the movie, the only time it's not used, the only time hip hop is not used in a montage is that scene. Uh, the rest of the times hip hop is used are during montages. It's the damn it feels good to be a gangster, yeah, and then, um, the, the um, the the printer yeah the the part where, the, where we're being on the printer that's that's considered
1: a montage and the um the heist yeah when they play the uh, it's a, I think it's an Ice Tea song they're playing there okay um yeah which,
0: which is I, so funny because the heist I, is so just like it's just like they're just passing the disc around <laughs> the, yeah they had all this <laughs> drama to it but it's just it I love when he brings it like oh that was it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's all done in slow motion and like the the freeze frames when they're like handing the disc off and the and then of course the, there's the iconic Michael Bolton stare right into the camera uh-huh. uh, in slow motion. <laughs> and, do you, do uh, you think
2: do you think that, that 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 montage scene was um inspiration for the the horrible movie Now You See Me Too? The moment the movie where they're throwing a disc around while people are talking.
0: Oh gosh. I have i have not see I don't have I seen that. I don't remember that scene. I don't know. I don't know. Guys someday about we're
2: doing someday we're doing an entire episode on how much i hate that title now you see me <laughs> how do you not call the movie you don't someday whole episode there it is whole episodes someday go ahead Carry on. for
0: years for years
2: years years
1: years um <laughs> i i also love that michael bolton um calls his virus virus yeah
2: <laughs> it's just it is kind of funny it's just labeled yeah virus. as soon as he labeled it that i i literally started laughing out loud. And I'm like, you know, in any other movie, they would like hide give it, it by nickname. naming it like code dash two, four, one night. it look like a system or, file or something. <laughs> and he's just like, or give virus. it like a code name. <laughs> well, and it also, I give it a code name, like
0: Mubberg.
1: Yeah. Well, it also speaks to what, uh, it also speaks to what Matt was saying earlier about Michael Bolton's character, right? He's all, bo- he's all, he's all boastful, right? Yeah. So he's like, Oh, my software works. That's what he said. My software works. like, He's never done this before. My software works. And then when they when he gets the bank statement, it has 305000 dollars in their bank account. And he goes and he's like, I must have left a remainder off or a decimal or something. I'm always doing something like this. I'm always making <laughs> screwing up some mundane detail. Yeah. Which, yeah, you find out
2: he actually has never done it right. <laughs> right.
1: Well, and I love like I'm always screwing up some mundane detail. His entire job is rewriting software for the Y2K bug, which is like you, you shouldn't be making like missing up mundane details, Michael. Like this is that's, I, I, I just love that it reveals that he actually is not that great of a programmer. And just He's, the fact that they're all looking up money laundering in the dictionary and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great scene.
0: Oh, hey, good.
1: Hey, Lawrence, you want to come over? No, man, I don't need you screwing up my left too. <laughs>
0: um, I love I, I, the, the scene where they, where they destroy the printer. Yeah, iconic
1: um, iconic scene
0: iconic scene I think one thing they, they pointed out in the, the retrospective that I watched was that like when they choreographed it if you notice they don't touch each other with their hands uh-huh. they touch each other with the bat yeah so it's like this ultra masculine like gangster movie
1: moment <laughs> well and Peter never attacks the printer he, he's like the godfather just walking around he's just walking around it i love it when michael bolton starts to just bare knuckle fight yeah. the printer <laughs> which is like you know how that much that had to hurt if you've ever done software like all of the like all of the print like the you know the the punched hole like yeah you know, <laughs> s- circuits with their little ah that had to hurt but he's just so like ah he's just so and he's, yeah. he's dragging a piece of it away with him yeah
2: but that scene also shows that the fact that um, character Peter is like he's really just allowed himself to become somebody who's steering and ruining these other people's lives. Yes. Like he's the, the mastermind of their destruction because like right. Father Chuck was saying earlier, they didn't really hate their job. They actually kind of liked working in the computer until he gets involved and tells them, don't you hate this so much? Isn't there something that you can well, they're do? Right
0: required, but
2: destroy it. but he finds that out and uses that what if I told you you wouldn't have your job anymore yeah. like he's just there to to stir up problems and then when it's time to destroy the the fax machine he literally is just standing by watching them carry out the dirty work that's the execution scene of the movie and he's just wiping his hands he he is pilot washing his hands of the of the blood and there watching other people carry out the act
1: he hands them the bat because the first time you see Peter he's holding the bat and then he yeah. hands it off. <laughs> I love we're, de- we're deconstructing this montage. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, though. The movie, like that's <laughs> what we're here that, for, guys. That's what we're here for. <laughs> that's the thing about the movie. Watching it as many times I have, and watching it last night, is there actually is a lot of deconstruction that can be done. Yeah. I mean, the movie, the movies. I mean, the movie's cinematic like economy. I mean, it's just it's such a well made, like well shot, well framed. There's so much stuff packed into it. Yeah, the plot could be probably a little bit better in terms of its direction. We already talked about, but. So much of what they do with the movie, I mean, is, I mean, there's just so much going in the background. Like, I love, I love Peter's, Peter arrives at work and he looks at the door handle and you can see these angry and it packs in just within these couple of seconds (laughs) that clearly this is what happens to him every single day of his life. And he's hoping today will be the day that it doesn't, but he knows it's not true. He's going to get shocked by the door. (laughs) Like he knows it and they pack all of this in and just like maybe like 15 seconds of camera work, not a line of dialogue, nothing. It's all shown, nothing said. And it, you, you learn right there how much this man hates this moment in his life every day. And then he goes in and the first thing happens, he spaces at his desk and then he grabs, he grabs a stack of papers and he's like, he's got them from, he stares at his desk. And then that's when, um, Let's see. What does he talk to Milton and then Lumberg shows oh, up? No, 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 no. Lumberg Dom shows up, right? Dom shows up. Was also like the, the corporate accounts lady. Just a oh, yeah. Just a moment. Corporate <laughs> accounts people. Just a moment. The, <laughs> the receptionist at uh at my church growing up, where my mom was a financial secretary. Um, Becky was Becky was her name, and you know if you were out there, you would hear her. You know, like first Baptist Church of Central Florida, Becky speaking. First Baptist Church of Central Florida, Becky speaking. Um in just a moment um, that, 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 and, and they, they cast her. She looks like an office receptionist. That was a great yeah. casting decision. Um, But, um, but yeah, just that whole, and then uh, we've already talked about the, the whole TTS report cover sheet, you know, you're not using the proper cover sheet and he's just, Peter's like, look, I just made a mistake. It doesn't go out. Like I can put, we can put the new cover sheet on. It's going to it's going to be fixed. It's not a problem. And everybody just doesn't listen to him. And I'm going to make sure you get a copy of that memo. Well, I actually don't really have much else to say. I was going to say this is probably a good place to end it.
2: I'm fine, I quit.
0: I mean, I, I think I think to conclude, we could all just kind of agree that it's a great movie that should continue to be celebrated for for years to come.
1: And we're just we're just not going to go anymore. That's uh, just not going to go.
0: Nope. <laughs> what about bills? Don't you have bills to pay? And ah, uh,
1: uh, you know, know, I've never I've never liked paying those. I don't think I'm going to do that either. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I knew this episode just divulged us just quoting it. I that's the thing is I I realized I I don't know how healthy it was, but like I said, I took that posture for a little while in high school, and it and it kind of worked. It sort of worked out for me. I mean, I am a high school dropout, so um, uh, I I you know at least you didn't set the building on fire. That's true. I did not.
2: I don't I don't want to give away anything because life changes and things could happen. But guys, I couldn't be more excited about next week.
1: Can we yeah. just please
2: our audience and say that we're not going to say anything about who it is because life can change, things happen, um, but um, I am as excited about this episode as I was for Rob Bell.
1: Should be,
0: I think everybody should be. Uh,
1: I, I, I know I it's think so it- hard to. I can't believe that we are going to have Joel Osteen on our show next. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, guys, Oprah Winfrey. We'll be stopping <laughs> in next week. By the way, by the way, I forgot to tell you guys, I was given an opportunity to go see Joel Osteen live at the BB&T Center a couple of weeks ago, nice. and um, my wife and I were going to Disney with the kids, so I had to decline these tickets, but they were corporate box tickets at the BB&T Center to go see Joel Osteen. And my Beautiful. my initial reaction was like, no. But then I thought, but for the sake of this episode, <laughs> for the sake of this show, maybe. But then I thought, but I think the people who gave me the tickets, like I couldn't tell if they were either like actually on board with Joel Osteen or they were like, Oh, you're an ordained person. This might be interesting to you. Yeah, just take and, this.
0: It'll be and so <laughs> if
1: I make, if I make fun of it, I don't want to like hurt anyone's feelings. So it was probably good that I didn't, but I thought, I thought this is, this could be interesting. Well, I, I, that, that would have been but, great, but, but um, anyway, long story short, that's how he's going to be on our show next week. We have Joel Osteen on our show. Um, talking about how we can we're going to talk about uh, his favorite hooba steak album <laughs>
2: <laughs> no guys we have people on i actually want to talk to <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, be honest you want to talk to joel osteen don't
2: actually that would be even more amazing <laughs> i really do. i want to have joel osteen on we think he, he thinks he's going to get interviewed and we say so what's your hooba steak album <laughs> now, yeah he's probably
0: more of a popper roach fan like <laughs> I just want wanted to come on. He's like, he's all like, he's wearing like the Puka necklace and he's got like a, like a monster energy drink. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I like Papa Roach, you know, <laughs> cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort.
1: It's good. I don't know. I, are you sure? I, I, because of that Southern accent, I kind of think maybe Puddle of Mud would be, <laughs> Puddle of Mud would be, would be there.
2: Guys. Can I can I give a hint about next week? Just a hint. I don't want to give it away. Sure, but go ahead. There, yeah. There's a the hint is there's a connection to what we do. There is a connection to Kermit the Frog. There's a connection to Amy Grant. <laughs> there is a connection to Jason Mantzoukas. So there you go. Figure out who it is. <laughs> Good luck All with right. that. <laughs>
0: we, we we're now connected to pete holmes and jason Manzucas. if only we could jason actually
2: get- we're gonna get both of them on the same we're- episode with joel as <laughs> god
0: wouldn't joel. that be great if, if our podcast was like it became like we get a famous comedian and then like a famous tele- televangelist on the ep- on the same episode oh dude Just like, like, how- them-
1: like get um get the get the get the douchebag pastor from um um what's that church in miami that had, that justin bieber goes to his ridiculous name one of the high pri- priests is that yeah, what it has, what's the name of the church it has like it's like Solvide. it's got this or new it's oh, got some French ve- name Velveeta Velveeta? <laughs> like grilled cheese <laughs> I don't remember anyway v- Vist? vu something i don't remember anyway um it'd be great to have like that Voo, guy yeah. Vazilla, that's it yeah <laughs> i'm
2: gonna i'm gonna work my christian marketing skills and come up for our new uh, term for when we have the world of like hyper evangelism people and comedians collide it'll be good
0: yeah that'd be a great podcast Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Well, so that is office space. Go out and find a VHS copy and watch it on your big screen TV like I did when I was a kid. CRT baby.
1: And or
2: or you're projections. Watch it on it's on stars right now, guys. If you guys oh, yeah,
1: yeah, I know that because I tried to stream it and it was uh only available by paying extra to stars, so I had to actually dig out my DVD booklet like a uh, like a neanderthal <laughs> and watch it on dvd quality oh you watch it on sd <laughs> it was funny I was, being, I was telling kane i was i'm flipping no joke we have all of our dvds in a zippered book like back in the day and um and i'm going through and i'm like i'm like oh i feel like a plebeian like i'm just going through here and i'm just having to watch it on dvd like oh the convenience <laughs> the fact that i have a whole
2: movie on a disc we have whole generations that have no idea what the words "be kind" rewind mean. It's true. Do you, oh, really quick. This is random. But
1: the other day, I was um, at one of the other churches that I, I do services for midweek um, um, here in Boca. I was um, I was looking for a, 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 one of their uh, uh, optional hymnal because there was a piece of music I was going to quote in my in my in my little sermon thing, and I was trying to find it. So I was digging through their choir rooms, like cabinets, and I found a box, pristine, unused translucent neon green three by three and a half inch floppy disks whoa like never been used and again translucent green i was like oh man like i i i, I want these I, I have no use for them but i want them it would have been great in
2: 1994. now if you don't know what a floppy disk is that's the image you click on to save on your computer <laughs>
1: Well, oh guys.
2: but seriously next week huge oh yeah you're huge. gonna want to tune in you're gonna want to and that is not a joke osteen not is a joke, a joke or it's... at least having him on our podcast is a joke let me rephrase that having joel osteen on our podcast was a joke
1: um you're not gonna say joel osteen's a joke really
2: I be I, I, I being say are you
1: being things. non-committal? Are you yeah yeah we could <laughs> yeah yeah we could do our theology a little better, Joel. I think yeah. I mean maybe if we mellow. read the if we read the Bible in these passages where it talks about the poor and the rich, maybe we would All think right, before next Chuck- time a little differently about the stuff that we say right. at Lake <laughs> at Lakeview Church.
2: So before Father Chuck takes on another group of faith, other. Calvinists. <laughs> let's let's move on. <laughs> Next week, huge huge things in the works. Yeah, Amazing you, you're, things. Can't you're gonna want to tune
0: in. You're gonna want to tune in. It's gonna be another milestone for us, I think. And yes. uh, It's gonna. I think it. I think it's gonna kind of open the door for us uh, to do some more um, cool guests. So I'm excited. You should be excited. Um, and yeah, hype. Uh, and you know, if you haven't heard of them, that's totally fine. You will. You will hear about them, and uh, you're going to love them.
2: And and you will stop listening to us and go listen. To them. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to immediately. So and that's fine. Whatever.
0: <laughs> so join us again next week. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. And uh, also, thank you, Father Chuck, and thank you, uh, uh, Jump to Conclusions, Matt.
2: Hey, hey! Click the subscribe button.
0: Oh crap! I got to do like the, the call to action. Ring
2: the bell. Uh, don't forget to uh, leave, the leave, a, leave,
0: leave a comment. Uh, check out the links in the doobly do. Uh, ring the bell uh, for notifications and subscribe and and like. And I'm doing this all out of order. I don't care. Whatever. Subscribe to yeah, us and keep loving and also, us, please.
2: Love and also, us. Re- and also review us on iTunes.
0: Review us on iTunes. We need reviews. We need we need stellar stellar reviews. So, or horrible ones, just review us. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Father Chuck. Yeah. And thank you,
2: Matt. I can, I can, I can, I can burn the place down. <laughs> it's strict night in the the week. Uh,
0: and thank you for listening. Join us again next week. Good journey.
1: Good journey.
0: Good journey.